preached a series titled, I Worship. We talked about worship. And in the month of March, I preached a series titled, I Serve. We talked about serving. And so I had full intentions in the month of April after Easter to begin a series titled, I Pray. And I'm still going to do that. We're going to talk about prayer. But a few weeks ago, on a Tuesday night, at the University of the Cumberlands in our Bible study with our uh, college students there, I just shared to prove a point in the study with them uh, the 23rd Psalm. It was not our main text or anything, but I'll not forget this because as I was reading that and sharing it with them that night, the Lord just began to, to just drop some things in my spirit about this passage. And I all of that week, which was week before last, I just could not get away from it, and so last Sunday I preached the first of uh, two messages on the 23rd Psalm, so I want to encourage you, um, not because I want you to hear me preach, but because I'm going to do part two today, so if you didn't get to hear part one last week, I shared a lot of specific things uh, about sheep and shepherds, Uh, and I encourage you to go back, and if you didn't get to be here or to watch or listen to that last week, to go back and listen to that and connect it with what we're going to share today. But I'm going to wrap this up today on the 23rd Psalm. If you'll stand with me all over the room. I'm going to read six verses of Scripture. I'll be reading the New King James Version. And this is the way the psalmist said it. He said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today I want to preach to you the second message in this series just simply titled Walking with God. If you will pray with me and for me. Father we just thank you today for your presence, your anointing that we feel in this place. We thank you for the worship. Thank you for every precious person that's assembled themselves in your house today and those that are joining us online. I pray, Lord, for the next few moments you would remove all of the hindrances that uh, that would distract us or uh, turn our minds elsewhere. But, God, for the next few moments, I'm asking that you would help us to just shut out everything that's gone on in our lives this week and focus for just a few moments on what you are trying to speak to us from your word. So I pray, God, that you would anoint me to speak not my words but yours with, with the power and the demonstration of your spirit But God, I ask you to anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you're saying to every believer today. And even those who may not yet be believers, God, what you're speaking to them as well. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance for what you're going to do in and through your word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. It's so good to see all of you here today. I know we had... um, some middle schoolers and high schoolers that were prominent up last night, and so we still have some parents and families that I'm sure are, are tired from that, but uh, you're a beautiful crowd today, 
And we're just so glad that you're here with us. And I see some middle schoolers and high schoolers that prompted up and rolled in this morning. So kudos to you all. Uh, we're proud of you. All right. In the, in the scripture, sheep are mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. More than any other animal mentioned in scripture. It's so ingrained in the mindset uh, and the culture of the Bible that they are instantly understood as sheep. And one can comprehend the meaning that's associated between the comparison from the Old and then also into the New Testament. Jesus, who was the Son of God, He was the King as we celebrated Him and the Messiah just a few weeks ago. And it's, He's very easily understood as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. There's a song that they sing here from time to time that says, There's a Lion inside of me. And so we can easily identify with Him as being a powerful Lion. But to the people of His day, the people that He walked with and that He lived with, uh, the description made much sense to them as he was described as the Lamb of God. Because a lamb was something that you offered up for the sacrifice and the atonement of sins. And Jesus was, was offered up as the Lamb of God on the cross for the forgiveness and the atonement of our sins. But the problem is, we aren't as familiar with this idea of sheep and shepherds, and so we struggle to be as sheep-like as we should be. And yet... For most of us, this text today, it's very, very familiar. You've heard it quoted and used in almost every funeral service you've attended. You can probably quote it, many of you yourself, and, and it just resonates deeply uh, within us because it's so familiar. But I'm still convinced that we don't fully understand it, and therefore we don't fully apply this passage of Scripture to our daily walk, and then we find ourselves uh, in situations and where we're not seeing through the eyes of a sheep with a good shepherd, uh, we, we get confused, we get discouraged, and, and sometimes we just don't understand, and we simply don't embrace the idea of being a sheep like we fully should. So last week, as I've already told you, I gave some specific things about the sheep and the shepherd and specific characteristics um, of the sheep. I don't see uh, Scott Webster this morning. I don't know if he's here or not, but he, uh, he was one of those that had a primer last night, so he may be tired. But anyway, last week, uh, it was kind of funny. He shared with somebody. I, sh I shared one of the things about the sheep is, is that they're... Their body is heavy and their fur is heavy and sometimes their life gets, they get out of balance like our lives as Christians get out of balance and when they get turned on their side and they can't get their footing to get their feet back on the ground, somebody has to turn them over uh, and, and help them get back up or they'll, they'll just lay there uh, on their side or on their back unable to get up. But then I talked about how that uh, the shepherd anoints the head with oil and there's specific purposes for that, three different purposes. Uh, and I gave you what those specifics were and he he told somebody last week after the service, he said, yeah, he just went right on and talked about getting anointed with oil, and some of us are still laying on our backs trying to figure out how to get up. So if you didn't get to be here last week, go back and watch that so you'll follow me where I'm going today. Because most of the attention in Psalms 23 is given to the sheep and the shepherd, like we talked about last week. But there, there's another subject matter that's clearly addressed in this passage of Scripture that I want to talk to you about today, and that is the path that you are on, the path that you walk. The psalmist captures it in such a poetic way that most of the time we typically just look over it or we read right past it. But he tells us about the ups, the downs, the easy, the hard, the pleasurable, and yet the painful moments of this journey 
that we are on as we follow our shepherd. I want you to notice what he says. He says there will be times as we follow that we find our path taking us into green pastures and leading us beside still waters. But then we also find that sometimes our path will take us into the valley of the shadow of death and right into the presence of our enemies. And this teaches us, if you're taking notes today, first of all, I want you to understand that our shepherd has a destination in mind. He has a destination in mind. Psalms 37 and 23 says this, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. Say ordered. And he delights in his way. See, the word teaches us here clearly that our steps are ordered. Ordered means intentionally chosen, selected, lined out with an end in mind, with an end destination in mind. What does Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 tell us? I didn't give him this one, but most of you know it. He said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to never harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The King James actually said an expected end. There is an end in mind from your shepherd. But somehow, some way, we find ourselves sometimes living this life very haphazardly as if it's nothing more than a zigzag and a disconnected series of uh, connections and stops and sights. But David knew better than that. David recognized, and for those of you that may be English or grammar teachers, uh, just look over me, because at one time this was a word, and as I understand it in the dictionary, they, they took it out, but I can't find anything better to replace it with. David understood the orderedness of our steps, the orderedness of our paths. He said it like this, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, this is a critical statement in this psalm because this is the ultimate sign of being sheep-like, surrendered to the lordship of the shepherd to such a degree, listen to me this morning, surrendered to the lordship of your shepherd to such a degree that regardless of whether the path is a vacation destination, come on somebody, or whether it's the scariest, most painful place you've ever been through on the planet, regardless of those two things, you have decided that you will follow the shepherd because you know he has ordered those steps. He has intended those steps to produce righteousness within you and to produce glory for his name. Now, you may be enjoying the journey that you're on, Or you may be despising every step. But as sheep, we must continue to walk where we are led. And we must trust the heart of our shepherd. He's trying to get us somewhere. And today, may I remind you that he has an ordered end. An expected end. And that end is for your good And you must follow to get there. You may say, Pastor, it don't look real good right now. But Romans 8 and 28 promises us that all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. See, if we don't keep that in mind, we will forfeit our destination. We'll forfeit our destiny by becoming distracted by the journey. 
The path that God has chosen for you has a purpose. And with that understanding, we need to become more sheep-like so that we'll understand some things about the path. So let's talk about the path. First of all, the path cannot determine obedience. Did you hear me? The path cannot determine obedience. See, too many of us never develop righteousness and we bring very little glory or attention to our shepherd because as soon as the path steps out of those green pastures and those still waters and the scenery of all that nice stuff over there and it leads us into the valleys and our enemies come into view, a lot of times we just want to quit following. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going there, right? We just want to quit following. But let me say it again, the path does not determine obedience. The shepherd does. The shepherd determines the obedience. We know his voice, but we also, if we're following him, we know his heart, and so therefore we will follow him. Nobody would ever choose the valley over the green pastures, and nobody would ever choose the enemies over the still waters. But but if and when God does, we still must follow. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we desire His presence more than we desire our pleasure. We desire His presence more than we desire our pleasure. we got to get back as the church to the place that Moses came to in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 15. In the NIV version, here's the way Moses said it. He said, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. If your presence don't go, Don't sin. To see what had happened in this passage of Scripture was God had just given Moses a word that he was going to send the now free children of Israel. Remember, he rescued them out of bondage and they were free. And now he was going to send them on their way and on their journey. And they would be victorious and they would take the promised land. But then he he drops the bomb on them and he says, I'm not going with you. Moses steps up and says, listen, the promise without your presence, is not an acceptable exchange. Remember that a land that flows with milk and honey but has no shepherd is not an acceptable exchange. So Moses refused to go, and so should we. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I mean. If we have to choose the easy road alone or the painful, difficult road with His presence, then we go with His presence every single time. See, we know on the right path, we know when we are on the right path, when the path leads to righteousness. Now, it's probably going to get quiet up in here in this 11 o'clock service. But notice the psalmist says, the shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. Listen to your shepherd this morning. If the path that you are on lead you away from righteousness, then you're not on the right path. If the people you're running with are leading you away from the things of God, then you are not running with the right people. And if you're, I know this ain't going to be popular, but it needs to be preached in the church today, not just this church, every church. If the path that you're on leads you away from righteousness, then you need to quit acting like you're you're on a sheep-like path. Mm-hmm. See, oh boy, here we go. When the word says, don't be unequally yoked, 
and you're out here looking for love in all the wrong places? No fine girls, just ugly faces? I'll just show my age right there. Some of those young kids was like, what on earth is he talking about? But when the word tells you, don't be unequally yoked and you're out here looking for love in all the wrong places, quit acting like you're on a path that he's ordered. He didn't order that path. You're not trying to be sheep-like. You're trying to be your own shepherd. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy, here we go. When the word says, be ye holy as I am holy, and you keep hiding your sin instead of repenting of it, hello, then quit acting like you're on the right path. But now, a lot of times we, we, like to, we like to get in on that when you preach on the sin stuff. But I'm going to throw another one at you. When the Word says not to worry, and you're making yourself sick and you can't even sleep at night stressing yourself out because you can't trust Him, you ain't on the right path. Now here we go. Y'all are helping me more than I thought you would. I'll lose you in just a minute. You can apply this same principle to how you use your money. Took some of y'all a minute. What you fill your mind with or where you spend your time. But I want to tell you something. If it leads you to righteousness, it's the right path. If what you're doing leads you toward unrighteousness, then it's a slippery slope that the good shepherd doesn't want you to take. And it's funny to me sometimes as sheep, how we can so easily determine that it's God's will when it's something we want to do. But then we struggle when God begins to take us in a direction that we don't really want to go in. But we are sheep-like when we follow Him towards righteousness. Now, another thing about the path is that the path's variety is designed to produce growth. The path's variety is designed to produce growth. Why, pastor, does he lead me on a path that leads me to pain? Why can't we just camp out in the nicer areas of life? I want you to notice, if you will, that the rod and the staff, if you'll put me back that passage of Scripture, uh, the rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where's that at? He says the rod and the staff are mentioned after the valley of the shadow of death. Did you notice that? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want you to notice something about this. I think this was on purpose. I think the author knew that we would never voluntarily voluntarily go to the valley of the shadow of death. Who wants to go to a place that sounds like that? I think he knew that we would never voluntarily go to the valley of the shadow of death, that it may take some prodding with that staff, some poking, some tapping, and maybe even a little thumping with that rod to get us to go to that valley. But I also want you to notice something. Comfort is never mentioned in connection with the green pastures and the still waters. It's mentioned, though, in connection with the valley and your enemies. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we enjoy the mountains, but we grow in the valley. 
We enjoy the green pastures, but we grow in the presence of our enemies. We enjoy those peaceful still waters, but we grow when we have to learn to hold God's hand in the dark. When we can't see our hands in front of our face, that's where He grows us. If we were always on easy street, we wouldn't grow. We wouldn't develop faith, perseverance, reliance, or even thankfulness. But think about this. Thank God we're not always in the valley. If we were always in the valley, we wouldn't survive. But we also wouldn't learn to develop joy. We wouldn't fully understand peace. And we wouldn't know what rest was. So it's the up and down nature of the path that grows us. Now, don't be fooled. Sheep-like folk may seem to be those with the perpetual smile on their face. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? You ask somebody how they're doing, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, every time you see them. Consistency's good, but can I tell you, it's all right to just be real sometimes. Everything can't always be butterflies and rainbows. I hesitate to use rainbows for obvious reasons. But rainbows did not originate for the way they're using them today. Can I get an amen, somebody? Everything can't always be easy. But the mature sheep in the bunch are those who have not only enjoyed the good things, but they've also walked faithfully through the pitfalls of life. They know what it's like to go through the valley. They know what it's like that they've tasted luxury, but they also walk with a limp because they've seen the other side. And those are the sheep that you can trust, and those are the sheep that you can learn from. Those are the kind of sheep that know what it is, that they've been through it with the shepherd, and that's produced an anointing in their life. That's why I believe that we ought to honor our elders. Can I get some younger people to help me? Because our elders know what it is to go through some of the things that we've gone through. They They've already been there and if you'll listen to them they can save you a lot of heartache a lot of trouble and a lot of time because they've got experience with God and they know what it is to hold his hand in the valley the path also reveals the purpose of the pain growth is the purpose John Martin's helping me now while I've got him I'll talk about his money no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He might could sell that farm for enough to pay that new church off. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It shows us the purpose of the pain. Growth. It shows us, it shows us that our shepherd will put us on display. Listen to me. This is good. This will help you this morning. So that the enemies of our life will understand they can't stop our blessings. Did you hear me? First of all, let me say this. You don't need to fight your battles. But you need to recognize that you're going to have enemies. Not a whole lot you can do about that. Let me put it this way. You don't have to like me. I said that at 845 this morning. I was like, wow, that's liberating. You don't have to like me. As a matter of fact, you can root against me. Nobody is. Don't, don't misunderstand me. You can plot against me. Let me say it like this. Your enemy can set up ambushes against you. Your enemy can dislike you. Your enemy can uh, despise you. 
They can plot against you. They can root against you. But you know one thing your enemy can't do? Your enemy cannot stop your shepherd from pouring out a spread of blessings all over your life. He will allow you to pull up a chair and eat right in the presence of your enemies just to show them that life with the shepherd is something that they can't stop, something they can't destroy, and something that they wish they had. He will show our enemies that what they meant for evil, God will turn it around and work it for our good. When you put it in the shepherd's hands, he'll work it out and turn it for our good. I want to tell you, the enemy doesn't need to mess with you when you're being sheep-like. Because being sheep-like makes you a bad man. No pun intended. Or a bad woman. But when you're being sheep-like, the enemy don't need to mess with you. Because the enemy tries to get you fired, God will get you promoted. The enemy tries to ruin your day, God will send you an unexpected blessing. The enemy tries to give you a death sentence, and God will set you right down at the table with your shepherd. And after you're eating, he'll let you get up from that table with a testimony, a shout, and a song. That's the kind of shepherd you're serving this morning. So are you struggling with the path? Are you uneasy with the scenery of the journey? Are you struggling to obey? Don't forget your shepherd has laid out your path. And lastly this morning, I want to conclude our examination of this psalm by talking about the sheep. I gave you some specifics about them last week. And we talked about the perspective of the sheep. And we talked about the shepherd. We've examined the path. But in order for this psalm to really be a reality in your life, in a large part will be determined how well we become sheep-like. The truth is, we all follow someone. That's the way sheep are. They follow. They don't know how to go unless somebody's leading them. They'll follow that shepherd. And when one follows that shepherd, the rest of them just just follow after that shepherd. The nature of a sheep is to follow. But the psalmist teaches us that sheep that follow are followed. That's where your importance comes in in the kingdom. Sheep that follow are followed. See, everything that the shepherd does in the life of the sheep is determined by whether or not the sheep follow. We talked last week, he guides, provides, restores, protects, corrects, and connects. And all of those things are determined by our willingness to follow. So we've established that. But now the psalmist goes one step further. Those things are the benefit of following. But check this out. A sheep that follows is followed. Sheep that are being sheep-like should also be over to be able to glance over their shoulder and say, that the, the, like the sheep that wrote the psalm, Goodness and mercy are following after me. Now listen, we talked about how we know we're on the right path because it produces righteousness. Uh, We can also tell we're on the right path because of what follows us or comes as a result of our walk. Goodness and mercy. We can and other people can evaluate just how sheep-like we really are by what we leave behind us. Anybody ever attended the Celebration of Life service? of somebody whose life preached their own funeral, it's a good feeling. But anybody ever attended one of those services that wasn't much of a celebration because of the life that they left behind them? I want to ask you this morning, what's revealed in your wake behind you? The psalmist here, David, said, goodness and mercy were chasing after his every step. 
Is that what your coworkers say about you? Is that what your classmates, young people would say about you? Because when we are sheep-like, we are followed. I want you to look behind you today. I'll bet you if you look closely, you will be able to see times in your life when you were the most sheep-like. Because you'll see that part of your path will have a residue of goodness and mercy all over you. But I want you to look closer at your last few steps and ask yourself the question, do I see goodness and mercy? If not, all you got to do is adjust your path. I said, if not, all you got to do is adjust your path. Sheep are confident and conscious. Say that with me. Sheep are confident and conscious. I want you to notice how the psalmist says it. He says, surely, say surely. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. It's a statement of fact and confidence. I can be confident and confident and convinced even when I don't see the scenery that I want, which is the still waters and the green pastures, but I see the, the valley and the enemies. When I see the scene that I don't want right now, I can realize that in the end, I will be blessed. Did you hear me? In the end, I will be blessed. Surely, because I'm favored. Surely, because I know the shepherd. Surely, because this book says I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. Surely, because I trust him. You can doubt if you want to, but you're not going to cause me to doubt. You can question, and even when I'm going through it, you can look at my current situation. But like Job's friends, you can come to me and try to get me to curse the shepherd and die. But I'm not going to do it because I've got a surely in my life. I've got a surely word in my life. You may see my sickness if they give me a diagnosis, but I'm going to see my surely. You may see my brokenness, but I'm going to see my surely. You may see my trouble, but I'm going to see that surely goodness and mercy are chasing after me and they're running me down and in the end it's all going to be okay in the end I'm confident that everything's going to be alright in the end and if you say well pastor it's not alright right now that's okay because it's not the end yet surely God's got a plan and God will bring your surely to pass however when the psalmist says surely I also read when I read that, I also get a sense of, and I'm almost done, a sense of, I don't want to take this for granted. Sheep are confident, but also conscious of where those benefits originate. I don't take the benefits for granted, but rather I choose to maintain a sense of gratitude for the continued faithfulness and consistency of the shepherd in my life. Surely, if I remain steadfast in my following him, I'm going to remain followed by goodness and mercy. If we're going to be sheep-like, though, we got to be grateful and conscious of His goodness. we got to constantly stop and take account. Hey, my cup's running over. Thank you, Jesus. I've got abundance. Thank you, Lord. I've got favor. And when I have favor and I recognize my confidence in these facts is based entirely, did you hear me, on His faithfulness, entirely on Him. I don't ever want to get to the place, and you don't either, where you conclude that your blessings are a result of anything that you've done. This book says, not by works, lest any man should boast. No, you need to stop and give credit where credit's due. 
You need to say, my cup overflows and I'm pursued by goodness and I thank you, Jesus. I'm chased by mercy simply because the shepherd is leading me. There's nothing worse, church, nothing worse in the church than sheep who act like they got what they got by their own wisdom, strength, and abilities. Sheep, true sheep, will remain grateful. See, some sheep are confident, but they're not conscious. Some sheep are conscious, but they're not confident. But true sheep have a sure leader, and that's a confidence and a conscious in their shepherd. If they'll come to the music this morning, I want to close with this. Every single sheep has a dwell decision. David ends this examination of the shepherd and the path with a powerful decision. He says, as a sheep, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He makes that choice. See, remember I told you, we all follow. You will follow somebody or something. Because you were created and made to follow. And some of you, some of you may follow fads. Where's Abby at? Come here, Abby. Abby's following a fad. That's called a granny skirt and white sneakers. You see that? She saw Natalie Grant leading worship in a granny skirt and white sneakers. And she said, that's what I'm going to do. I said, you look cute this morning. Some of you follow fads. Some of you follow fame. Some of you follow friends. Some follow finances. Some of you are following what you think is fun. But David recognized that sheep have to make a dwell decision. He's basically saying, when I examine all my options, when I see my benefits and I see the path and I take it all into account, I've made up my mind that I will make a decision to dwell in relationship with my good shepherd. See, some follow because, this is just truth now, some follow because they're just going with the flow. Some follow because somebody else is following. Some follow because their parents follow, but they've never really developed their own relationship. Some follow because it's routine. Sadly enough, some flock and follow for favor. Some just for the fellowship. And some out of fear. David knew that sheep have to make a decision. You're either going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever or you're going to be in and out with all the seasons of your life. See, each and every one of us have to make a dwell decision. And I've decided this, you need to decide and choose and say, I choose this day whether it's green pastures or the valley, whether it's still waters or all of my enemies, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, I'm in this for life. I'm in this for life. Some people thought that this planting a church thing wouldn't last very long because it would get really hard to pastor a church and work a full-time job. And I'm going to tell you, it's not been easy but I never planted a church for a career. 
I never planted a church for a career. I planted a church because God said, if you'll do it, I'll send them in. And in the past nine weeks, just in the 845 service this morning, we added one to that. In the past eight weeks, excuse me, we've seen nine people rededicate their lives to Jesus and three people saved and two filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not in this for a career or a profession. Although God has blessed me in that, I'm in this because I'm following the Good Shepherd. And I want as many that will to follow and go to heaven with me. That's why I've made up the decision. I'm in this for life. I'm in, in the good season. But I'm also in, in the bad season. I've decided I'm going to follow. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. See, the shepherd can make us do some things, but he can't make us dwell. He won't make us dwell. That's a sheep choice. Not a shepherd choice. It's a sheep choice, and that's a choice you've got to make. So I got to ask you a few questions this morning. Are you in this as long as it's convenient and comfortable? Are you in this as long as everything in your life is a cakewalk and everything's blessed? Or have you come to the place in your life where you can say, I have decided to follow Jesus? No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, I'm going to follow. The world behind me, I'm going to follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. See, that's an easy choice when you're in green pastures. Some of you are in the valley right now. And I'm asking you to stop long enough to make a dwell decision. You can lock in surely for the rest of your life if you will determine you're going to dwell. Have you made that decision? Today is the day to make the decision to dwell. If you'll bow your heads with me all over this room. If you may say today, Pastor, I've never really made the decision to follow Jesus. I've never made that decision in my life. Please, nobody looking around. If you say, that's me. Would you just slip your hand up so that I'll know and I can pray for you? that you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it back down? Yes, I saw that hand. Anybody else in the house? I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Anybody else? Now I want to ask you, with nobody looking around, if you're sitting there today and you say, Pastor, I need to make a decision to dwell. I've been in the ups and downs of the path and, and I need to make a, a decision, I need to make a determination that regardless of what the enemy does, regardless of what the path looks like, I'm going to hold the hand of the good shepherd and I'm going to dwell in his house forever. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Pastor, I need to make a decision that I'm going to dwell in his house forever. Now I'm going to ask one more question. You may be sitting there today and you may be saying, Pastor, I'm glad he's my good shepherd. And I'm glad he's leading me right now. And I'm learning to hold his hand in the dark. Albeit through the mountains and the valleys, he's leading me every step of the way. And I have made that decision. I'm going to determine.
to dwell in his house forever. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up this morning? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. All over the house. I want to remind you, he's your provider. He's your guider. He's your restorer. He's your protector. He's your corrector. And he's your connector. And he will be your good, good shepherd on this walk with God. I'm going to pray. And then I want to invite as many that will to come and spend some time in prayer this morning. If you're more comfortable wearing a mask, we have a mask, clean sanitary mask available on both sides of this altar. I want to invite you to come and spend just a few moments in prayer today. If you were the one that said, I've never made that decision, today's the day to make that decision to follow Jesus. Father, we thank you that following you is the best decision we'll ever make. We thank you, God, that in the pitfalls and the valleys and, and the, the things that we go through in this life, that you are our good, good shepherd. You'll never lead us astray. You'll never leave us, Lord, on that path. Even when it's dark and we can't see around us, you will lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And I thank you today that we have an opportunity and a privilege to make a decision that come what may, no matter what comes and what goes, I will dwell in your house forevermore. I thank you today for what you're doing in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name.